there's so much blessing that we can actually really disperse right now. I'm serious. The word communion is such an incredible, rich Greek word. Koinonia. It means community. Community. So the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the community of the Holy Spirit. What it simply means is that God has a community. Like the way you live in community 6, community 7, community 11. There's a divine community of the Godhead. And the church, by reason of being the body of Christ, have become part of that community. So that is number one. So when the Bible talks about the communion of the Holy Spirit, it's talking about the community of the Godhead. He's talking about that realm. Then the word also means joint participation. Now, because we have been allowed to be partakers of the divine nature, we are allowed to be joint participators in the divine agenda. So what the father is doing, the son is doing, we are doing. We are allowed to freely partake of his nature so that now, whatever God has the right to, you have the right to by the reason of the sonship that you have in Christ. When we became heirs of God, we became joint heirs with Christ. What it means is that you have the same right Christ has to God. So when God gave you his nature at new birth called righteousness, when he gave you his nature, then he added his life. So the Bible says that though the body be dead because of sin, the spirit is life. The Holy Spirit is our life because of righteousness. Because we have God's nature, he also gives us his spirit as his life. But the word communion also means distribution. See that there is a sharing of the riches in the Godhead and there is a distribution of supernatural energies that flows in God into everybody in the community. Let me say this. People don't die because of sin. People don't fall short because of all the negative things you know. Believers are starved. If you like. And become vulnerable displays when they leave their place. When they stop abiding. And when they refuse to commune when they don't eat freely you see adam's first mistake was not the eating of the tree of good and evil which is the tree of death his first error was his refusal to eat of the tree of life all the time god was coming to adam in the garden now let me ask you a basic question in the garden of Eden, which of the trees do you think was conspicuous? Very visible, eminent, evident. Now, if you get into this place, what light will you see first? The one that shines brightest. The most obvious tree in the garden was the tree of life. Adam never got close to it. Strangely. And you see, the tree of 
death obviously was the devil represented the devil the tree of life was christ i'm sure everybody knows that jesus is the tree of life okay, he's the vine because the word is god and jesus is the revelation of god there was no way god could have talked to adam without speaking about the tree of life because the very word of god is christ so every time god came into the garden all he was saying is adam eat the tree of life adam eat the tree of life in fact the first thing god would tell anybody is christ christ is the first revelation of god in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god the same was face to face with god you know the greek says that the same was face to face with god so every time god came into the garden tree of life tree of life but adam never believed god because to believe is to receive so because he never believed so he never ate the tree of life if adam had eaten the tree of life first the tree of death would have been of no consequence it's going to have affected him so you see in the community what we have to be doing as joint heirs in our joint participation we are supposed to be eating eating jesus is that bread of life but we agree that if we force a loaf through your throat you will die so if we force all the glory of god into you at once you will die but you can be biting the bread little by little you finish the whole loaf one day so you keep eating jesus the bread of life little by little eventually the whole christ will be inside you so we all with unveiled face looking us in the mirror the glory of the lord you just keep looking you just keep looking you are transformed into that same image from glory to glory now there are some in the body that are too weak to fend for themselves so you have to put the breast at their mouth so the distribution becomes extremely important so that the weak ones who cannot take it themselves we can push it into their mouth that is why we minister the spirit that's why we minister the word that is why the ministry of the teacher is crucial and that is why the teaching of the word is so crucial because we must break down the word into smaller bits before it is absorbed you see baby god just mix everything into that base called milk so that the baby will drink and everything every nutrient every vitamin is in milk but the distribution when we minister the spirit when we minister the there's a distribution the Bible talks about the effectual working of every part. This body is complete. But there are some of the parts <laughs> oh, that are not optimizing their potential. That are not effectual. They are holding back something. You see, in communion, it is sharing. So you don't hold back. As every man has received the gift, <laughs> let him minister the same as good stewards of the grace of God. You don't hold back the singing. 
if you have the singing anointing you don't hold back the healing anointing if you have it if god bless you with wealth as a good steward don't hold it back give it to the saints everything god gives you baby in the communion there must be a distribution because that's the meaning of the word the bible says that we all be many we are one bread so actually when we are eating the communion first corinthians chapter 10 verse 17 we are eating the lost body but the mystery about the communion is that we are supposed to descend the lord's body and that is why a lot of you have not realized they don't know what the lost body is what is the lost body the church so in the communion he said you must descend the lost body what it means is that you must know that the church is the body of jesus honey you can't love jesus more than you love a believer you must love a believer like the way you love jesus you see the church hasn't descended that yet we don't know that the church is the lost body but the day we will know that the church is the lost body the day will descend that the church is the lost body that's the day will come of age people still don't get it when jesus pulled down that old tabernacle of his the human adamic body he raised a new one at the resurrection and the body he raised was the church and he was just the head so it's just one man there's one body one spirit it's just one man so you can't separate the body from the head in fact the mystery of the church is that it's christ and we need to descend that we need to descend that and when we descend that we stop waiting for the lord to do some things because we are to do it we are his body so the distribution so there must constantly be movement in the body the flow of energies from one part of the body to the other the sharing of our goods the sharing of our love strength when one person is weak the whole body is weak when one person hurts every part of the body hurts now have you had a sore throat before every part of the body hurts if your toe is hurting the whole body is hurting so that is it so that is it in the distribution there's also contribution in fact one of the meanings of the word of koinonia communion means distribution it means contribution you see there is something that christ gave you when he ascended and he said you that grace you to put it on the table there's something you have put it on the table contribution you cannot be in this church and not put anything on the table you can't be in the body and not contribute anything now if you do that you won't last they will call you to heaven too quickly i'm serious about this the reason why people lose their gifts is because you see the callings and the gifts of god are without repentance god never takes your gift back but your gift will become so dormant you think that god took it and what happens is that you are just bypassed so just start doing something with what god gave you start doing something with what god gave you can i say this 
you can only excel where you are gifted. Your glory is in what the Lord has dealt you with. Contribution. Contribution. Say koinonia. Say koinonia. Say communion of the Holy Spirit. That word also means fellowship. That word also means fellowship. You see, the Bible says that if you are alone, you cannot be warmed. If people who have the whole Bible in their spirit are still coming to church, you, you don't even know what is in John something. And you are staying in the house. Wow. There's a proverb that when you take firewood out of the rest, it quenches. Amen? Two are better than one. I can say this clearly. One will chase a thousand, two will chase not two thousand, not four thousand, not six thousand, not eight thousand, ten thousand. We call that multiplier effect. That's what synergy does. Usually it's addition. But once you become two, that is why though you can pray and God will hear you, there is a place for prayer of agreement. Because it changes everything exponentially by a multiplier effect. Honey, learn to agree with your spouse and hold his hand and say, Honey, we will deal with this now before we go out to work. And just spend 45 minutes and say, This thing will settle it now. And hold the hand of your spouse. Do you actually know that the dominion mandate was not given to an individual? He said, Let them have dominion. Honestly, honestly, the Bible says God created man in his image. Male and female created he them. In the image of God created him. Male and female created him. And he said to them, let them. He said, let them have dominion. Now, the very word dominion is actually domain union. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not talking to your mother. You're not talking to your sister. You're not talking to your husband. You're not talking to your pastor. Hey. Wow. Wow. You are weak. The devil just wants to get you. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you have watched National Geographic Channel. You've watched it. Some of the predators, their trick will be to distract the mother of a prey that is too big for them. Distract the mother so that the calf or the little one will remain alone. Sometimes what they do is that when they are in a group, they confuse them. Even a school of fish. You know that usually, the way they move, they confuse. Usually you can't catch them when they are together. So the trick is always to isolate. And God gave us all this mystery in one thing, the communion of the Holy Spirit. The communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Speak in tongues. Just open your mouth and speak in tongues. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen. All right. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Say the communion of the Holy Spirit. You know how sometimes people have this idea that there's something more that has to be done as if Jesus didn't finish it properly. Uh, I see all kind of things in town where, you know, they call it aquantre, where they say, oh, bring this and bring this and let me give you direction uh, so you can get your miracle and so you can get... And the items they ask people to bring, I say, ah, if the blood of Jesus cannot do it, those items can do it. So people think that there's something extra that has to be done. People also think that there is a deficiency in God's structure. So they wish that the church could be restructured. But all the denominations that tried to structure the church died spiritually. Honey, you can't structure the Holy Ghost. And there is no wisdom, understanding, nor knowledge against the Lord. There is no other wisdom which is contrary to the divine rule standards or prescriptions so there is already enough power enough provision full providence for what we need as a church and there is a perfect structure or system of government in the church god has ordinances he has set Certain structures down in his wisdom to benefit everybody in the body, everybody in Christ's body. Let me give you an example. When God set up the institution of marriage, he had a family in mind, and he knew very well that the family will be the bedrock of society and government. The devil came at the marriage institution. And people took the marriage institution for granted. And when the devil invaded the home, he got a society. Now the government is trying to do what parents are supposed to do. It's never going to work. It has never worked. It won't work. In the advanced nation now, they can take your child from you. They taught the children rebellion. The way they started was to knock God out of the schools. The wisdom of God out and taught the children rebellion to authority and in the name of freedom and then incapacitated the parents, made laws that will not allow parents to discipline their children. And I'm surprised when these children grow and become troublesome, they put them in prisons. This is crazy. I thought you said we should leave them to do whatever they want to do. Bible said train a child in a way that he will go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. 
And they themselves, they are psychologists, say, by six, a child has formed all his habits. So, God created a support system called family. You know, I hear people who say, I don't have anybody. You don't have a father. You don't have a mother. You don't have a brother. You don't have a sister. You don't have an auntie. You don't have a cousin. You don't have a nephew. You are a bad person. How come you don't have any human being? God has created family for support system. And you, you don't have anybody. You don't even belong to a church. You don't belong to any group. Are you getting a point? So God has created support system. So in a typical home, we have a father. Who will protect the family? Then there is a part of the responsibility that a mother will provide. Then in certain situations, you have a big sister who even plays the role of a mother. Just as in a case where there's no father, a single mother can just single-handedly raise these children. God has tempered the body in such a way that there will always be support system, checks and balances. Now what I'm saying is that in the church, God has already, he has set structures in the church and there is enough power in the church what we need now is to discover the mystery of the church what god is doing by finding out his purpose that becomes our understanding and how things are done how things are done jesus learned obedience he learned acting. Remember that he didn't learn obedience to the law of the Old Testament. He learned obedience to the Holy Spirit. Because the laws were just fundamental laws. Amen? And the law is not for the righteous man. The law is for lawbreakers it's not for a righteous man so it was not a law that he learned he learned obedience active obedience the amplified version poses he learned how to be under instructions of the holy spirit he learned how to be led by the spirit he learned the holy spirit taught him this is how it is done this is the timing this is it so he learned the ways of God, the purposes of God. He learned to be under orders. His strength and his ability did not interfere with the purpose. The fact that you can do something doesn't mean God says you should do it. The fact that you can do something doesn't mean that's the way to do it. The fact that you can do something doesn't mean that's the time to do it. You know why I'm sharing this? We are talking about the brightness of our rising. We are talking about our glory. Our eminent glory. And that will come when we take our full place. When we come of age. When we are in dominion. And to do this, we need understanding into the purpose of God. Into the purposes of God. Into the ways of God. How God does his things. What God is doing is important. Like I said, it's not about adding something. 
It's about discovering what is there. When you look at six out of the nine manifestations of the spirit, they had got to do with revelation. The spirit of revelation and wisdom. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, descending of spirit, tongues, prophecy, interpretation of tongues. All the six gifts, both the vocal and the revelatory gifts or the inspirational gifts, six out of the nine gifts are prophetic. And four out of the seven spirits of God that was on Jesus. Seven spirits simply means seven anointings. We can say seven manifestations of the spirit. Four out of the seven has got to do with insight. He says upon the son of Jesus, talking about Jesus, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of the knowledge of the Lord. Yeah. And then they mention the rest, which is the spirit of lordship, dominion, which I'll be talking about in a moment. And the spirit of might. And the Bible says that all this will make him of a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. All this will just give him one result. It will make him to be able to tell the divine will per second. It will make him of a quick understanding the fear of the Lord. He will know the will of God in every situation. In other words, God is so interested in training you to discern his will, to have understanding and wisdom than anything else. You see, the reason is simple. The heir, as long as he's a child, different nothing from a slave at all, though he be lord of all. But he's under tutors and governors, stewards, until the time appointed by the father. He says, when we were in the flesh, we were under the beggarly elements of the world. All the elementary forces of life, sin, sickness, demons, we were all under them. We're under them. Now, he said, though you are Lord of all, if you are a child, and usually in the Bible, maturity is not about age. It's about maturing in the mind. The Bible says, well, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need, I want to teach you again the fundamental principle of Christ. And you have become as such as have need of milk, not of strong meat. For he that uses milk is unskillful. Now he's explaining what being an infant or a young person in the Lord means. He says, those people, they are unskillful in the word of righteousness. They don't have the ability to handle this great resource called righteousness. Righteousness is not just living holy. It's about our right standing. Our placement. Who we are in Christ. He said people don't know it. 
Because righteousness is the foundational skill, capability for every child of God. Because that's the nature of God, the ability to get it right. Not to do good, but to get it right. The only time you get it right is when you do it by the Spirit. Everything the Spirit does is right. Everything you do by the Spirit is right. Everything that the Spirit does by you is right. Everything you do in the Spirit is right. So the ability to get it right was a nature imparted into us at new birth. But it is the Holy Spirit that helps us carry it out. So all you need to do is to listen to your spirit and the Holy Spirit guides you this, that, not yet. When you don't know what to do, just sit down still, listen to your heart. Hallelujah. Now, he's referring to the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. The basic teachings as milk. And he's referring to matured teachings as strong meat or solid food. And he says, strong meat or solid food belongs to those who by reason of use. Those who constantly use by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern between right and wrong. There are several levels of discernment. The basic one is to discern between good and bad. Then you'd learn to discern between good and right. Some things are good, but they are not acceptable. That's what the Bible talks about, the will of God, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Because we have the permissive will of God. Do you understand? Who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil. So for our dominion, the first thing is revelation, knowledge, or understanding. You see, in Christ, there are only two agencies responsible for our glorification, our maturity, our development. And that is the word of God and the spirit of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, that we all with unveiled face, looking as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are transformed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. He's saying that when we look into the mirror of the word of God, the mirror there is word of God. So that is how we are transformed. And he said, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So the two agencies... For our transformation and our ultimate glorification is what? The word of God and the spirit of God. Why? Because yesterday we studied that Jesus, who is the word of God, and the Holy Spirit, they are actually the ones that give us the divine experience. So, the Holy Spirit takes you and baptizes you into Christ at new birth. Then Christ takes you and baptizes you into the Holy Ghost at the baptism of the Spirit. So, it's either the Word or the Spirit. Our theme for this convention is Lenogazakesh, the brightness of our rising. So, we are talking about our glory as a church. 
Okay? So, that is what I'm talking about generally. But today, I'm trying to look at our dominion. And I said, it happens when we are of age, full age. Tell us, complete. Hallelujah. There is something else apart from knowledge that comes to play in dominion. But knowing is key. You know why? There is nothing new to do. We just have to discover what has been done for us. When you read the Bible, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, is God's purpose statement. The whole of Ephesians chapter 1 is God's purpose statement. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, three full chapters of God's purpose statement, you are not asked to do anything. You are not asked to pray. You are not asked to fast. You are not asked to live holy. You are not asked to be joyful, you are not asked to sing praises, you are not asked to worship, you are not asked to love your neighbor, you are not asked to give money. Because for over 60 verses in God's purpose statement, sweetheart, he wants you to know. So he's just informing you, you should know. You should know what he has done. After you know that, then you can do. That was the mistake Martha did. Martha was trying to tell Jesus what Jesus needed. And Jesus said, sweetheart, how come you think you even know what I want? Mary is sitting at my feet to first know what I want. So God wants us to know first. The church should know. We should know. You see, if you don't know what has been done, you will start all over doing what has already been done. The devil, the way he got Eve was, he says, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. Your eyes will open. As if to say that Eve's eyes was not open. As if to say Eve was not created in the image of God. Eve was already created in the image of God, but because she didn't know. Somebody was telling him that if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. That is how come we are trying to do, actually undo everything Christ has done. In trying to do all over what Christ has done, it's an offense. Bible talks about people crucifying Christ the second time. Trying to do what Christ has done all over is an offense. For example, now, I cannot take a lamb and sacrifice as an atonement for my sin because that will mean that the blood of Jesus, the lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the world, is not efficacious, it's not enough, right? That is key. When this knowledge comes, when this understanding comes, when this comprehension, apprehension, discernment, interpretation of the divine will, when this understanding comes, we have a grip. We are able to lay hold. Paul said to Timothy, lay hold on eternal life. Timothy was already born again. But he said, I want not just you to be to be saved though i want the eternal life is not just going to heaven eternal life is the life of god and i want you to have a grip on it live like the lord you see the word to know 
when you see it's used in the Bible, is to have intercourse with. Adam knew his wife. So to know is not just passively knowing something. To know is to participate in it. You cannot know the things of the spirit without experiencing them. That is why God will even allow tribulation to work patience and patience will experience. You see, there is that experience part that gives you wisdom now. Because it's a proven knowledge. It's not just head knowledge, it's proven. Practical. Workable. What this knowledge will do for us is that it will give us faith. Because the things of God operate by faith. You see, we operate the engine of the spirit by faith. We operate the supernatural by faith. You see, faith is everything. And the word is trust. Now, faith may mean different things. But 80% of the time, faith means trust. I am saying that there is a knowing that when we have, we have absolute trust. What is that knowing? To know that God is all powerful. The devil can outsmart him, witches and wizards in my family can outsmart God. He's all powerful. The other thing to know is that he loves me perfectly. So he's made provision for even my weakness. He won't allow anything. Number three, that he's all knowing. So he's perfect in power, perfect in love, and perfect in wisdom. So you can trust him absolutely. Some of us, we don't doubt the capability of God. But we doubt if God will do it. Because we don't know how much God loves us. We think, will God go to this extent? Because what your father taught you is that if you do it the first time, the second time, the third time. In fact, some people even don't believe in God of a second chance. Now, the God, you who is poor in mercy, God said, forgive people 70 times 70 in a day. And the God who is rich in mercy, how many times will he forgive you? Because we agree that many of us know God loves us, but we have never interrogated the extent of God's love. We've never questioned how much. So we've never gone the breadth and length and depth and height. So master, we have not experienced the love of God. We know about it. We know he loves us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of us think that God has closed one eye, is looking at us with another eye. We've always have a distorted picture, revelation of who God is. It hurts him. I'm being honest with you. What hurts God the most is unbelief. God, it just wipes him out. It just says you are not God. Either you are not perfect in love or you are not perfect in wisdom or you are not powerful. You are not all powerful. So this is what the knowledge will do to us. But the next thing about dominion is power. And when it comes to power, there are two things. One is authority. And the other one is dunamis, azusia. There are two words for power in the Bible. Authority. The policeman has authority. He stands and gives the command and everybody takes it. But there are some people who will not respect that authority. So they make sure that they equip the police also enough to be able to deal with force. So in Christ, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. That's the authority we have. This son shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall pick up serpents. 
the first authority you have when you are born again is you have authority over the devil you overcome the world you overcome the demonic hierarchy because we are lifted far above principality and power you have total dominion over the enemy that's why he repeated that about the signs that will follow a believer that one was mentioned twice he said they'll cast out devils and they said they'll pick up serpents this is extremely important because we are in an arena of the demonic satan is on earth here and so there are a lot of things he will do not just against you but against your family members and other people and unbelievers and we must destroy the works of the devil so we must not only know our authority over the devil we should be able to exercise it by using the anointing of the holy spirit where there is sickness we must rebuke it to go when there's a demonic presence sometimes you're going to your office or your house and the place is heavy you just look at it and say i rebuke you some people don't understand that the way faith works is by speaking it i actually found out that in this dynamics the word of god is so crucial in Hebrews 1, we see the preeminence of the word. God, who has sundry times in diverse manner, in time past, spoke to the fathers through the prophets, has in this last day spoken through the son. The preeminence of the word. In Hebrews 2, we see dominion by the word. We ought to give them more earnest heed to the things we've heard. Talking about the word of God. Lest at any time we let them sleep. He talked about unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come all those things were ordained by the word of god so the writer of hebrews keep quoting the word dominion by the word in hebrews 3 we see the word of god as our confession and as our profession our confession our profession the word in hebrews 4 he says we should fear lest a promise be left for us so he called the word of god promise we should seem to have come short of it the promise entering into our rest is getting into the rema the rema the rema of the finished work that's when you get into your rest when you have a revelation to the finished work of christ the Pauline epistles. In fact, the epistles general, even John. You enter into your rest. God wants us to enter into our rest. He said we should labor to enter into our rest. But the labor there is about laboring in doctrine and in word. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit, like we said, is the third person in the Godhead or in the Trinity. He is the final revelation of the Godhead. He is also the perfecter, the finisher, the fulfiller. The final manifestation in the Godhead. So we used to know God as Lord. Then we used to know Jesus as Lord. But the Bible is saying that now the Lord is that spirit. When you get born again, Jesus is your Lord. 
But you must come to know the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. You need to come to know that the Lord is the Holy Spirit. Number one. You also must come to know that the Holy Spirit must truly be Lord. Because if God the Father is calling him Lord and Jesus is calling him Lord, you must not just call him Lord, you must treat him as Lord. Now, the word Lord there is the word for mastery. He's talking about dominion. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 17. The previous verse is when you turn to the Lord, the veil will be removed. He said there's a veil covering people's face. So they can't see anything. The veil in the Old Testament is separated God's presence from the people. So you can go into God's presence, but you can't see God because there's a veil. Now the veil represents the flesh. So when Jesus Christ took our flesh and died, the veil tore. So people can have access to the presence of God, right? He says that there's a veil over people's face when they are reading the Old Testament. They can't see that the whole of the Old Testament is talking about Jesus. Just one person. So they see all kind of rituals, but they don't see the person. Then he said, when you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. Then interestingly, he said, the Lord I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit. The Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, in fact, literally, is where the Spirit is Lord. Now, I want to explain something to you. You see, the Holy Spirit has many names. He is called the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Life. The Spirit of Wisdom. It depends on what manifestation in the purpose of God the Holy Spirit wants to represent. Then he takes that name. Here, he is called the Spirit of the Lord. The emphasis is on Lordship. Which means true dominion. I already told you that all the glories, everything came from God. So there's a glory in God called Lordship. But that Lordship actually comes by the Holy Spirit. He is called Ruach Adonai, the Lord Spirit. And he said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. He's saying that when the Holy Spirit is Lord in a place, there's liberty. You know, usually we say, oh, greet one another and shake one another there is freedom there's liberty in the presence of god that's not what he's talking about what he's saying is that where the spirit is lord inhibitions are removed limitations of the flesh limitations of the fallen man demonic inhibitions weaknesses of every kind all the limitations are when the holy spirit is lord there is no limitation in other words where the holy spirit is lord nothing can stop him that's what he meant when he said the spirit bloweth where it listed. You hear the sound the robber can not tell whence it comes from or whither it goes. So is every man born of the spirit. He said it's, it's like a wind. Nobody can stop it. So the church cannot talk about dominion without talking about the dominant force of our dominion which is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, the Lord, that Spirit. That's number one. Number two, the second thing I want to talk about the Holy Spirit before I close. I gave a hint of it, but I have to say, you see, sweetheart, you need to know Him. He must feel you, He must be everything. 
You didn't realize you were born of the Spirit. You are supposed to be filled by the Spirit. You are to be led by the Spirit. You are to be anointed by the Spirit. And you are to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Your whole life is Spirit. The purpose of the infilling is so your eight engines will be firing. The Holy Spirit must fill all your faculties so that you operate at optimum. But you see, sweetheart, you need to know him. It was my spiritual father who said, just bring the wife to the house. That's all. Just marry the woman. You don't have to tell her that the house should be clean. Food should be cooked. Children should be given birth to. Just get the woman to the house. Marry the woman. The rest, she will do it. Bring the Holy Spirit. Into your bed chamber. I'm serious. I'm serious. Into your kitchen, into your files. No, I'm serious right now. Into your accounts. Into your board meetings. See. People don't get it. In the Bible school we teach people about. Nomatology. The study of the Holy Spirit. And we teach them about the personality. Of the Holy Spirit. We teach them about the deity of the Holy Spirit. But we teach them about the personality. Which means that. He has moral dimensions. Intellectual dimensions. The mind of the spirit. He has a mind. He has a will. So you don't treat the Holy Spirit like something. You treat him like a person who has feelings. He can be grieved. Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. If you ignore your wife, she'll be depressed. If you ignore the Holy Spirit, he'll be grieved. Don't tell me what you are thinking. Tell me what the Bible is saying. God says that don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And he didn't say that about Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus' ministry basically is to the unbeliever, not to the believer. So he was prepared to take all our nonsense. He actually drank all our iniquity, went to Hades, went to those smelly demons. He did all that. He was designed for that. The Holy Spirit started where Jesus finished. When the thing was made clean. In fact, the reason why an unbeliever cannot have the Holy Spirit is it is designed for the holy. And only the believer is holy. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was not given because Jesus was not yet glorified. In other words, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be the glorified Christ. By the time you get the Holy Spirit, you must be living in your finished work. You must be living in the finished work of the Lord. You should be resting from your labors as God rested from his work. You should be enjoying the finished work. The Holy Spirit, that's what he does. The Holy Spirit was never given when Jesus was not yet glorified. Which means that the Holy Spirit is our spirit of glorification. The Holy Spirit started from glory. I can give you the scriptures. John 7, 37 and 38. It says at that time, the reason why the Holy Spirit was not given was because Jesus was not glorified. Now, I want you to think about it. So, anyone who is not preaching the glorified Christ can't have the Spirit. The finished work of Christ. That's where the Holy Spirit is. 
that's your rest that's your place you are not trying to be accepted in god jesus did that one that's not a business of the holy spirit that's not a business of the house now when it comes to the holy spirit people have a tough time you know sometimes i don't get it praying for the sick to be healed and salvation which one should be more difficult for somebody to be healed of sickness and for somebody to be raised from physical death spiritual death eternal death transferred from the belly of satan into god moved from hell to heaven saved put into that one and just healing the sick which one should be more difficult salvation should be more difficult right so how come you just open your mouth and confess Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior and God saved? And it was that easy. And you can't just believe God one minute and be healed. It's because you didn't know it's that simple. It's because nobody actually explained to you that it's that simple. Nobody explained to you that it's that. You see, it's, it's not in heaven for you to say who will go and bring it. The Bible says it's not behind this. It's not in the abyss. It says it's near thee. Even in your mouth and in your heart. And this is the word of faith we preach. He says that your miracle is not in heaven. It's not behind the sea. It's so close to you. It's in your mouth and your heart. Believing and saying it is the easiest thing. But people don't know. Because we have been told that faith. Eh, GD. Faith is hard. Oh. Faith is hard. Oh. Faith. We have said it uh, until what Jesus made easy. We've made it complicated. So how do you get the Holy Spirit? You have to take your team to Atria Mountains for 40 days. Then after 10 days, you see some light. Then somebody saw one vision. We have... How many days more to go? 30 days more. Listen. Getting the Holy Spirit. So, people waited. People waited in the upper room for how many days? 40 days, right? For the Holy Ghost to come. Yes, that was when he was coming to the earth. That's when he was coming to the earth. He has never gone back. He's been here. So when you want to get the Holy Spirit. Now I'm not saying there's not a place for fasting. We fast. I fasted for 17 years. My wife has been fasting since December. Every day. The prayer is not less than four hours. And she adds dry fast to it every month. We fast. There's a place for fasting. We pray. There's a place for prayer. Our global prayer command, the first of every month, we pray for nine hours. Last Monday, we prayed for 11 hours. The whole church. 11. I believe in prayer. There's a place for prayer. But I'm saying that to be filled with the Holy Spirit, 
When you pray, you be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you worship, you be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know that it's so easy to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know how easy it is? It's as easy as drinking water. Take a cup of water and drink. You thought I'm joking? John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. Can we read? One go. In the last day, that great day of the feast. Now, this is what feast? The feast of Pentecost. The feast of Pentecost was a feast they were celebrating to foreshadow or pre-shadow the coming of the Holy Spirit. They were celebrating, but they didn't even know what they were doing. Usually on the last day of the feast, the priest would take water. And every place must become quiet. And he would pour this water into a big pitcher. And the noise of the splashing waters must be heard. And that happens 50 days after Passover. And that's exactly what happened. When Jesus, our Passover lamb died, it was after 50 days. That's why we call it Pentecost. It was the 50th day that the Holy Ghost came. But they were celebrating as feast. They didn't know. So on the last day of the feast, when the place became quiet and the priest took water to pour, then Jesus stood and cried out loud with a loud voice. He said, what you are doing is a shadow. The real Holy Ghost is here. Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come to me, be born again, and drink this commune with me. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He said, come and drink. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. If I ask you to drink water now, what will you do? You take a cup of water, you open your mouth, and you pour the water inside. That's the same way you do it in the spirit. As if you are breathing in. That's all. You just consider the spirit. Take in, into your spirit, into your heart. You are filled. Now, this is the mystery. You take him like a cup of water, but when he's coming out, like rivers of waters. Let's look at it. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow. So that's how God's power works. You just breathe it in. But when the things start coming out, rivers. How many of you have seen river water before? Honey, we even built a dam on it. People think the Holy Ghost is in heaven. So they are waiting for the Holy Ghost to come. The Holy Spirit is in you. And you are in the community of the Godhead. So just keep drinking. And when it's flowing out of you, he comes out like rivers. 